Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. I'm your host, Christina Orlova. If you enjoy this podcast and want to join my free OCD and anxiety relief community, go to www.coreresults.com forward slash Facebook. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash Facebook. See you there. Okay, welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. Today with me, I have Natasha Daniels. She's an LCSW, and she is a child therapist for over 20 years. She's also an author. At least I saw four books on Amazon. Um, She's also the creator of At Parenting Survival Podcast and School with Online Classes. And she's a YouTuber, and she has a channel that's called Ask the Child Therapist. So welcome to the show, Natasha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so I think one of the first questions I'm going to ask, because I certainly was curious, and I think probably, you know, folks maybe who have seen or heard of you might wonder, like, at parenting, what is the at or AT kind of, if you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and it's AT, which it's, it's been annoying. So it stands for anxious toddlers to teens. Um, and it's a long story I won't get into, but this whole journey started when my practice was kind of quiet and I had, um, a background in infant and toddler mental health. And so I wrote a book on how to parent your anxious toddler. Well, I actually like just a query. I'd sent like a proposal to a publisher and then I was like, Oh, whatever, forget it. And then they took it. And so I had to write this book. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I have to. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Cause I'm busy now. And like five months later, I'm like, Oh, I forgot I did that. So that was in 2015. And so they're like, you probably need a platform, blah, blah, blah. And so I made my website And that actually was the entry point into getting into this world. Mm -hmm. And shortly within like a year, once my kids were growing up, they were out of their toddlerhood stage. I didn't want to talk about toddlers anymore. I really want to talk about anxiety and OCD with um, all ages. But, you know, so, so then I, I called it anxious toddlers to teens and then I abbreviated to AT. (laughs) That's more than you ever wanted to know. So I work with all ages, um, school age, teenage even like some young adults. Like my YouTube channel is really for um, tweens, teens, and young adults. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That was actually one of my big questions for you is like, how did this get started? What, what does this stand for? I'm always curious about people's journeys. Yeah. Um, And can I ask um, kind of what got you into going into this um, niche or the specialty, especially with OCD and anxiety? Yeah, you know, um, I wasn't even supposed to work with kids, ironically. So in my graduate program, they kept accidentally putting me in um, internships and placements that were with kids. And I was, because I my father was severely mentally ill growing up. So I wanted to work with the SMI population. He had bipolar with psychosis. So it was like my whole goal was to work with um, that population. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the universe works in magical ways. So it just kept pushing me towards kids to kids. And finally, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but then shortly in my private practice, I found that I really gravitated towards the kids with anxiety and OCD the most very early on. And I didn't have kids of my own when I first started, because a lot of people say, oh, did you get into this because you have three kids with anxiety and OCD? No, yeah. that's just a genetic, you know, it's just the genetic journey. But I really enjoyed helping those kids with anxiety and OCD more than my other clients. So I found like I was just looking at my schedule and getting really excited that I had a couple of those on my caseload. And then eventually pretty shortly into my private practice, 
I just made it solely anxiety and OCD. Wow. How awesome is that? I love that. What a beautiful journey. Yeah. The universe sure does work in mysterious ways (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, since you're here, I think one of the things that I definitely know for, for my audience is that um, there's definitely a lot of, you know, parents who obviously have kids, teens, even adult, um, adult children um, who have OCD and, you know, one of the things that I hear often is when parents are not on the same page. Um, now I know there is a training called Space that's out there, and I recently actually took it myself, and that's really geared towards supporting parents. Uh, but I wanted to know more outside of that training, more from your experience and expertise as a parent, as a clinician. Um, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what what could be some things that parents really need to understand um, to make sure that they get on the same page in terms of, you know, the, the best outcomes that they would want and results for their, their child who is dealing with OCD? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I think that sometimes we don't realize the full impact of how that could sabotage treatment when you have two parents who aren't on the same page, because I mean, I'm sure as you know, like OCD is a family affair. And so If you have one parent who is accommodating and is undermining the other parent, it's like being on a hamster wheel. You're just like, you're spinning and you're spinning and you're like, why aren't we getting anywhere? And sometimes in my practice, um, which I don't have anymore, I actually shut it down in February, but um, in the past, sometimes parents would be like, I would only see one parent, you know, a lot of times just the mom. And sometimes they'd say, I don't know why we're not making any progress. And then a little bit into it, I'd find that the other parent was accommodating and was doing the compulsions with the child. And it's like, well, you have, it's like, why are we flooding when they're, you, we haven't like plugged up the, the hole. But I think the approach is probably something that is maybe um, counterintuitive. I think sometimes we just want to really get that parent to do the exact same work that we're going to do. So we want them to do ERP. We want them to really roll up their sleeves. We want them to go to therapy appointments and, it can really ruin your your relationship with your partner if your partner's not wanting to do that. And so I think just like our kids, we have to meet them where they're at. And we have to say, um, you know, because I think building up that resentment, actually it's more negative energy in your body. It's more negative energy towards your child. It ruins your relationship, the foundation of your family. So it's saying, in what aspect can I help my partner understand this if, if you're seeing some difficulty? Because I find that one parent is gung-ho, that's probably the wrong word, is like educating and is rolling up their sleeves. And you have, you know, if you have this dynamic, you have another parent who's not as active. And if it's an issue, um, that parent's not doing much. So is there a different way for you to educate them? Some parents aren't going to want to go to therapy sessions for their own reasons. Sometimes they're not going to want to read a book. So could they watch a video? I know I have a lot of dads take my online class because they'll watch a 10 minute video once a day versus a book. And I think some of it's acceptance of, instead of getting angry about it, it's just like, it is what it is. And not everyone, there's a lot of grief that comes with OCD. There's a lot of grief about what is versus what you thought it would be. And, you know, having a partner, we can't, we're not on their journey. And so I think it's dividing and conquering. So if you're not going to help me, don't hurt me. (laughs) Like my husband used to say, if you're not going to row, you know, at least just put down the oars, you know, so you're not rowing in the opposite direction. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just saying these are the roles. And, um, you know, in my house, we had defined roles, you know, and so 
I did pretty much everything when it came to the ERP, but I couldn't handle the blood stuff. You know, I can't handle taking them to get labs. Well, both two of my kids have autoimmune issues, so they have to get labs all the time. And he was just really good with that. And so I think talking to your partner and saying, these are, what things do you want to do? And not saying these are things you're going to do. You know, I think it's a collaborative approach, just like it is with our kids and saying, what do you want to do? And if you can't support our children, how can you support me? Because I think sometimes also we don't realize that we don't think out of the box that like, okay, if I'm going to cover all this OCD stuff, that's fine. What are things that you can do for me? Can you, you know, take this off my plate that you're more comfortable with so I can focus more on the kids? Um, and yeah, so I think that that was a long answer, but. No, that's a really great answer. And I, yeah, I think that really gets to it. And, and I think the, the follow-up question that I have now is like, well, what if you have, because this is also something I see often, which is pretty similar to what you just said, when um, usually one parent, kind of the dynamics is one parent is more almost like the enforcer of, um, you know, like the rules or responsibilities are okay, well, you know, let's do this or we have to do that, et cetera. And maybe the other parent is much more allowing and kind of laid back and like, hey, it's not a big deal. It's okay. And so if you have these kind of styles also showing up, how do, how do you help or how do you help them understand how to bridge it together, right? Because exactly what you just said, what, you know, if, if you're not going to row, at least put the oar down because then what happens is let's say I am making some progress forward. And of course, as we know, you know, kids are awesome. We're all kids and teenagers at one point. And I certainly remember myself as a teen, I would definitely split my parents, especially if I knew that there was room to do that because ultimately I want what I want. So, you know, it's like reminding them like, Hey, your kid's going to want to get what they want to get, whether that's a reassurance or a compulsion, or they, they want extra screen time, whatever it is they're after. Um, and if they see they can split you, they will, um, so now it's going to have to come back to, well, how do you want to handle that? Right. So what would be how, if you could just talk a little bit to us about that, like when you have that kind of a split or those different styles and how can parents maybe understand a little bit of kind of the relevance or significance of at least how to, how do you at least talk to each other and present more of a united front so that you're not split like that? Because that definitely is, I think, just like you were saying, right, you're, you're then actually rowing in the opposite direction and we're just going to keep being stuck. Yeah. Well, and I think there's there's probably a spectrum of relationship dynamics, right? So some of us have, like, there's there's a lot of room in there for dialogue, conversation. And some of you might be, like, way on the opposite of the spectrum where your partner's going to just completely shut down. So for those that are extreme, you know, where you're like, I can't even talk about it or he'll just say no. You have to get into couples therapy, ideally, which I know that could even be a challenge. Um, so that's hard. So I'm going to talk about more of the middle ground of people. And I think um, if you can have your partner go um, and and have a parent-only session with a therapist, if you have one, that can be really helpful. A lot of times parents would bring in the other parent and I would meet only with that parent for a session so that they didn't feel ganged up on. And I would explain um, why their behavior was actually going to grow the OCD and um I was able to reach some parents who were resistant because they could hear it from me. But in general, I think talking about a seesaw parenting. So I talk about seesaw parenting where um, you have a good, good cop, bad cop kind of parenting. And that comes from our own baggage. That comes from our own childhood. So you can have a parent who is too strict um, or too authoritative and, or they're approaching the OCD and ERP like in a way that makes the other parent uncomfortable 
um, whether they have their own anxiety and OCD, and so they over-associate and over-relate um, to their child, or they had an abusive parent, it doesn't matter. It's just whatever their history is, you'll have that seesaw parent. So they'll over-accommodate to, to soften out um, or even triangulate and say like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, mommy, such like, you know, or let's don't tell mommy this. And what I tell parents is you are, you're negating both parenting styles. And so basically your child's not being parented. Um, and, and that's just in general, but with OCD, they're not getting any kind of approach or treatment. You're like undermining your treatment. And so you're both doing damage to your child. And so when they see that, I say, you both have to come down in the middle, like a seesaw, you have to balance and neither of you get to go high because it's a balance. And I think that visual can help parents if they really realize that, that they together are actually doing harm to their child. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and just like in space to bring that back for a second, one of the things that I did like, you know, the, the frame, the frame of mine was that, which is true that, you know, you really kind of do need both styles because you you do need some allowance, but you also need to have some boundaries. So it's, it's how can you work as a team? Cause you kind of do need each other and kind of helping parents see it that way as well. Um, because of course, each parent, I mean, any parent, I would imagine, you know, you definitely don't want to see your child hurting, you want to help them. Um, but at the same time, you do have to have a, a good understanding of when is it that, like you were just saying, is it what you're doing actually helping them, or it's really actually hindering everybody across the board. Yeah, and um, I think the space program is, in general, is helpful for parents who are in that boat, if you have a willing partner on some level, because it's so methodical you know it's so you know this is the letter you're going to read and this is the approach you're going to take and this is the targeted behavior and I, so I, I do feel like if you have a willing partner who's just maybe a little resistant having those rules of like hey we already you know we already said this these are our actions and it's very like specified that can be really helpful too yeah to have some sort of a guideline yeah. Yeah. Um, and one last question for you, which is, I know often parents sometimes can get a little bit confused and stuck on weeding out, you know, what might be um, OCD driven behavior versus just, let's say, standard, you know, teenager or, or younger kid kind of just acting out and having behavioral issues. Um, what would you say to that? You know, I think a lot of times parents chalk up things to being quirky or being just very like routine oriented. And so I think, it, I mean, in general, it's good to get an assessment. If OCD runs in the family, it's highly genetic. If you're starting to see behaviors that seem quote unquote quirky or compulsive, it can't hurt to get an assessment. And now with no OCD, like you can just get an assessment like that, like go online and do a virtual one. But you're also, you're looking for behaviors that I mean, it's hard to like sum up obviously OCD, but I think if you're seeing things that cause you to like, you know, take a second look or it seems nonsensical or they're asking you questions and they're not getting satiated by your answers or there's um, a compulsive behavior that seems like it's happening over and over again, it's just paying attention to those things. And it can be a million things. So you can't even really summarize it. But I think it's trusting that parental gut and not if you get that gut feeling that says, oh, that's a little bit off, mm -hmm. it can never hurt to get an assessment because it's like a weed. Like I want to pull that weed as, as soon as I start seeing it sprout. Um, there's no harm in getting an assessment. 
Yeah, because I definitely like one of the most common things, of course, especially this this current day and age is, you know, um, usage of iPads or phones or devices or gaming, things like that. And it's, it's at which point, you know, is it, you know, something that's being used more as a distraction um, as a in, in a in a way to really compulsively avoid um, being with the discomfort versus when, you know, it's just. A, a kid being a kid um, in the current day and age and reaching and wanting to, you know, sit and spend time playing games. Um, so that's one of those kind of things that comes to mind too. And as you're speaking, kind of what came to me is, is I mean, part of what I help parents do also is as we're um, get the assessment and we're clear that there's OCD, we're always looking at kind of using those definitions like, well, you know, are there intrusions? Is there, is there compulsions? And then let's, let's do a lot of testing and experimenting and let's, let's see, let's see things out because it, it, you, we can sit here, of course, right. And we can hypothesize ad nauseum. That's not going to do anything. But once we actually experiment with stuff, we get to really see what, what comes up and then you start to notice what's there. Um, because I've definitely done that with, with folks, with the whole family where we would see like, Oh yeah, no, this is literally just your kid being a like a standard teenager who wants to just have screen time or be, a, be on their device uh, versus when you could see that um, that kid dysregulates very rapidly, anxiety goes through the roof um, or starts to continuously come back and just cannot stop asking you. And it's like needing it in this way that you could just tell something else is going on. It's not just, um, it's not just, Hey, I feel like playing. And now that I'm not playing, I'm just annoyed and pissed at you because I want my screen time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like what you said. Like if if they say it's not OCD or it's not a compulsion, it's always great to say like, well, that's awesome. Let's just, you know, let's just play a game and say like, don't do that then, you know, for my, my 17 year old and I, cause she's the only one not diagnosed with OCD. Um, and she's got tendencies for sure. My other two, like full blown medication, you know, but I'll say, well, if it's not a problem, then just don't do that. You know? And, and then there'll be that resistance and mm-hmm. you're like, Okay. But I do feel like also totally separate from what I just said, like, I feel like parents will confuse OCD with like gaming addiction or phone addiction. You know, I, I get that a lot in my online class. Like, um, how do I do ERP for, um, for them being on their phone all the time? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's a slightly different. Com- yeah. That's not necessarily. There's <laughs> different being you know having an addictive personality or being obsessive or using those as coping mechanisms in a very unhealthy sort of way versus that being actually the core issue and I think sometimes parents um they see the they see the fever but they don't get the origin of where that fever is coming from yeah 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 awesome well thank you so much for coming on and answering some of these questions um and how can people find you um you know my favorite house is my website (laughs) so you can go to atparentingsurvival.com and From there, you can find my podcast, my YouTube, and my classes. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you are ready to take control of your life, join our free five-day OCD Recovery Kickstart Challenge. Go to www.coreresults.com forward slash number five day challenge. That's K-O-R results.com forward slash number five, the word day and challenge.